0: Hey there, guys and gals, all you hip cats, cool kittens, you diesel-powered disciples of cool, welcome back once again to the Diesel-Powered Podcast, your voice of diesel punk on the internet, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever quality podcasts can be heard. I am your host, the artist also known as Big Daddy Cool, John Pica. You can call me Johnny. And I'm swinging solid tonight at the Casa de Cool in the Houdini Room here in fabulous Nash Vegas, Tennessee, and via the magic of the interwebs, joining me, as always, my partner in crime, the chairman of the board, boss, Larry Emmett.
1: Hey, everybody. It is great to be back. We've got some technical problems resolved, and we're back on the air, and it's fantastic.
0: The band is back together. Yes, sir. Very exciting. We've been off the air for well for a while, uh, a little bit. Chased more Chased out, a out month. all the gremlins. Yeah, yeah, and that voice, of course, is our dear heart, the daring darling of the skies, all the way from Memphis, Miss Daisy O'Dare. What's buzzing, cousin? <laughs> oh I love that so much I love that sound that makes me smile and you know you know we we I guess we can tell everyone not only have we had some technical problems um, that we've been working on and i I think I think we finally got some resolution um we we attempted to do this about three weeks ago and Maybe a little bit longer and, and you'll know, come back and uh just didn't happen the way we hoped. And uh so we're we're back uh with a solution for our technical woes. We are still looking for sponsors and patrons to uh to help us upgrade some uh some equipment, but we've got at least a patch for the moment and uh, that's great. So we are back stronger than ever. Mr. Larry Amiet.
1: Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Okay. Hey, we've got a lot to cover, so uh, I say we get to it. What do you think?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, you go ahead and uh, lead our topics tonight, Larry, and and, uh, you're the one with the notes, and uh, we'll let you steer the ship a little bit.
1: Well, um, okay. Well, let's get started with uh, dieselpunks.org.
0: Uh, yeah, t- tell us what's happening. Uh, you know, I, sh- <laughs> I I shared a solo episode a couple of weeks ago and filled everybody in on on where the uh, state of the union was. But uh, bring us up to date.
1: Well, uh, it's rolling right along. We've got several. We got lots of new stuff going. Lots of uh, I should say new stuff in a way of a lot of participation. It's fantastic. People turning out. Um, we've got a new uh, music format. You know, previously, those who uh, would uh, recall, if you haven't visited in a while, used to Tom Wilson uh, would uh, load some fantastic music onto the website on a regular basis. Well, turns out that ended up being financially unfeasible. Uh, so one of the things we've done is now we have streaming music on the station. And we plan to expand that coverage here uh, with some additional stations here soon. So, if you haven't visited Dieselpunk.org, uh it is under new management. Uh-oh.
0: Uh-oh, what? Larry, oh, you just cut out there for a minute. Okay. C- continue. Streaming music.
1: Streaming music. Some new stations coming on. Uh, we've got lots of streaming music. Uh, fantastic station right now playing. It's one of the only Diesel Punk streaming stations on the interwebs. Uh, Radio Real, Diesel Punk. And we're planning on adding some more music here soon. So if you haven't checked out DieselPunks.org, please do.
0: Outstanding. I love to hear it. I'm so happy that you were able to uh, step up and and take that over. And I know, Larry, we we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, about a month ago. But tell the listeners, because I know, we, we, we haven't talked about this personally, but I know. From experience, <laughs> that uh, this undertaking has probably been a lot more challenging than you initially anticipated.
1: Well, I knew it was going to be a challenge. I mean, stepping in some big shoes. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, Tom Wilson, you know, one of the founding fathers. Uh, I don't think Diesel Punk, I'm not sure it would even really exist here in the West. Uh, Nick Adams, can't take it away from him. I mean... Nick Audens, uh, Eli, uh, I mean, they brought it over, but uh, really the the person that gave it life was really Tome with DieselPunks.org. That's how I found about, it, found about and, it. And
0: not just on the web.
1: No, not just on the but
0: web. But in print. In print as well. I mean, he, he wrote or translated uh, Stefan's diesel city into english and kind of wrote the uh, narrative throughout that that book and then uh he was the editor producer of uh, diesel punk the uh the retrofuturism of the art deco years mm-hmm. uh so you know and, and giving voice to some other writers that have done you know the uh diesel punk ebook samplers right. and uh really uh and now and now he's uh he's still involved in dieselpunk folks um, he's may not he may not be running dieselpunks.org but he has a new uh, entertainment production company in Philadelphia producing dieselpunk events retrofuturism events and uh he's got a theater so you know he's he's still definitely in the community and very active just taking a different role and going in
1: different direction yeah, absolutely absolutely so we're excited at dot org, and uh you know slowly but surely we're making a few changes uh not necessarily making it better but just making a few changes it's pretty exciting stop on by uh, let's move to another subject uh let's talk a little bit about television uh
0: Ooh, yes yeah,
1: TV hey Johnny does I think a, you wanted to talk about a TV show
0: Yeah, uh, there's a show coming up this fall. It's going to be debuting on uh, NBC in in just a couple of weeks uh, as part of the fall season. It's a show called Timeless, and, you know, I don't know if it's going to be set in the diesel era just for the first episode. At least that's the teaser for the first story arc. Um, Some time travelers uh, go back to uh, the diesel era to, to particularly around the events surrounding the Hindenburg crash and they change history mm. or history has changed when they arrive mm. and a uh, very interesting alt history take on uh, on the show and really that's you know kind of a the hallmark of diesel punk. You know, we've we've talked about how you know our criteria. What makes something diesel punk? Um, you know, contemporary in origin, created. You know, since the end of the actual diesel era, uh, it's it's got um, the deco dents, the the aesthetics of the 1920s through the 40s, and you know either sci-fi, fantasy, alternate history, alternate tech, future tech, some kind of form of um, literary or genre bending, something that turns history on its ear. Right. And, um, and that's what this show seems to really be doing, um, not just uh, playing with the time travel element, but actually how time travel creates alternative history.
1: That, that sounds like a fascinating show. It really does.
0: Uh-huh.
2: And you know we love time travel around here.
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I, I'm a time travel freak, and um, you're a time I traveler. Wait, well, I know, but I became I became fascinated with it through entertainment, the movie Time After Time with um, Roddy McDowell and uh, Mary Steenburgen, and yeah.
1: That was a great movie.
0: What a, yeah! And, and that movie just fascinated me and turned me on to the whole concept of time travel, and uh, you know that that was uh, born of the uh, Victorian era, and, and of course took place in the eighties. But then, then, nineteen eighty-five is for me the the demarcation point for the the, the time travel standard. And that's Back to the Future, Oh, and okay. you know that co- they travel back to 1955, which for me is is I consider part of the diesel punk timeline. I know not everyone agrees with that, but you know, um, you know, I extend my timeline into 1957. So Back to the Future was for me it, it to me it's a classic diesel punk time travel adventure, and I can't wait to see more of it on TV. It's going to be unbelievable. The only thing that would make the, the fall TV series better is if we had a return of Agent Carter.
2: Oh, don't break my heart. I don't yeah, know.
0: It, it, you know, here's, here's the funny thing, okay? And let me just put this out there, guys. There is hope. There is still hope. Um, oh, yeah? Uh, fans have been, res- I mean, they have been petitioning ABC, Disney, Marvel Studios in, in, a, in a big, big way um, to, to bring the series back for one last hurrah. And Hallie Atwell at San Diego Comic Con said she will do whatever it takes. To make a third season happen. Oh, like wow. so. So the prospects are not dead. Um, we, you know, if you want to see at least one more go round with Agent Carter, you got to make your voice known. There are a couple of petitions out there to get uh, Marvel's attention. Uh, unfortunately, Netflix you know, turned down the opportunity to uh, produce it as a uh, an original Netflix series. they really? just yeah they've just got much on their plate. I, I think it would be a perfect fit though for Netflix. Have we, uh, but
2: have we put any of those petitions up on our little page there? Yeah, we have.
0: You. Get a, one? you know, yeah, we probably need to refresh. Show them and, you know, send them back to the yeah, top again.
1: Yeah, and I, I can see Amazon picking it up. They do a lot of independent stuff. Or maybe ABC, as a, again, as a, a
0: miniseries.
1: Just to wrap up that cliffhanger ending y- to it. Yeah,
0: well, and, and, you know, there's a lot of great ideas that, you know, not just that cliffhanger ending with Agent Thompson, but, uh, you know, a couple of months ago, Marvel released... Um, the The puzzle quest game for iOS devices, and as part of that release for the seventy fifth anniversary of Captain America, they you know did this um, kind of uh, what do you call it reimagining of Captain America, different people as Captain America, and one of those characters was Peggy Carter taking on the mantle of Captain America after Steve Rogers dies in action. Oh yeah. And I think it would be an excellent idea with the time period that the show takes place. Fast forward a couple of years to the beginning of the Korean War. She takes... uh,
1: Johnny, little breakup.
0: ...in Korea. Oh, so I'm saying Peggy Carter, Korean War, taking up the mantle of Captain America going into Korea. I think that would be fantastic.
1: I think it would be, too. Um, That would be fantastic. Uh, Who knows? Maybe straight to DVD. I mean, if nothing else, you know.
0: uh, Yeah. uh, You know, the the frustrating thing thing is it it, it can't happen on Amazon. Um, It could happen on ABC. Of course, you know, Disney owns ABC. Disney owns Marvel. And thing about netflix though is that they just signed a deal with disney marvel studios Lucasfilm, jim henson studios pixar the whole kit and caboodle starting this starting in uh this month september um every single title in the disney catalog is going to be available streaming on netflix
1: mm, interesting
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's pretty exciting. So, you know, maybe we don't get Agent Carter, but, you know, we, we get everything else.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: Well, but, uh, yeah, speaking... Go to those positions.
1: Mm-hmm, I'm sorry. Go to those
0: positions. Sign the petition. We'll post it up uh, towards the top of the Facebook page again.
1: Right. Sounds good. Uh, speaking of... Pro- uh, Amazon and Netflix and all those um, uh, about a month or so ago maybe two I started taking Amazon Prime.
0: Oh uh, yes.
1: Yes and Man and in the oh, High Tower? Man in the High Castle. Uh and uh, so I finally got to see The Host first season. Wow. Uh I mean I was hooked with the first it's uh, just the opening the opening where uh, you have this kind of a creepy cover of Edelweiss playing in the opening thing opening um, it's a fantastic program uh has some of our favorite actors Rufus Sewell who uh, most people remember from the Punk movie, Dark City.
0: He, he is one of my all-time favorite actors.
1: And he gets to play a villain. Well, I, I, I'm going to call him a villain because he plays a Nazi in the movie, in the series. But he's a very complex character. In fact, I think he's my favorite character in the movie.
0: Well, you know, he is one of those actors that was born to play bad guys. -hmm. That's where he really shines. Um, You know, I'm thinking about *Knight's Tale*. um, uh, Oh, what was it? uh, uh, What was that? That *Romeo and Juliet*? Not, but not *Romeo and Juliet*. uh, That's going to drive me crazy. Don't know.
1: Which actor?
0: Rufus Sewell.
1: Oh. Yeah, he, he was in the he was in he was the uh the main character in Dark City. Yep. Yeah. Uh I saw him in the uh masterpiece mystery series Zen, uh which was really, really good. Uh plays an Italian uh uh police detective in Italy,
0: in Rome. You know he's really from- He's one of those actors, like Andy Garcia. Mm-hmm. Andy, anything that Andy Garcia is in, he's like the the coolest guy in the room. And and Rufus Sewell is kind of like that. Even when he's playing a bad guy, he's mm-hmm. the coolest cat in the room.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I think you're right, and uh, he's fantastic. It's a well written character. It's it's a well rounded character. It's purely for the series because there were no. Uh, the focus in the novel, those that read the novel, it's almost exclusively in, of, uh, people living in the western United States, California primarily. So it primarily focuses on Japanese characters and Japanese empire. It only talks a little bit second hand about the Germans. You see the Germans a few times as they visit the Japanese consulate, embassy and all. Uh, but you don't really see major characters. This character, uh, goes by John Smith, is a uh, big shot in the uh, Americanized SS. It's really, really, he's fantastic. Uh, Terry Iwohukie. Kagawa, I think I said that right, I'm so sorry, I know I butchered names, and I probably butchered his, is fantastic in the series, Alexa Devalos is fantastic in the series, uh, Just it just goes on and on, uh, I really, really recommend, that, uh, for one, I've gotten to like Amazon Prime, because of all the other benefits, that come along with it. Um, you know, sometimes I get same-day shipping free. It's nice. Uh, but
0: that, That's just remarkable to me, that, they, that you can get same-day shipping.
1: Yeah. Maybe it's because of where I'm at. They have a major distributor location, warehouse, maybe, here in the Dallas area. Maybe that's why. Um, well,
0: and they, they do here in, in the Middle Tennessee area. But, you know, think about that for a minute, Larry. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's you know one of the ninth wonders of the world or a sign of the apocalypse.
1: <laughs> so I've gotten well. I really like Amazon Prime, um, and this is this is one good reason. There's a lot of other stuff. on um, Amazon Prime is really nice. Um, now, one thing I was a little disappointed: not everything is free in the in streaming when you take the subscription. It's not like Netflix where Everything in their library, you can watch. A lot of stuff is free, but there's other stuff you still have to rent. And I was a little disappointed for that. Um, Getting back to Man in the High Castle. uh, Season 2, I have it here that it will begin December 16th. Season 2 of Man in the High Castle.
0: Well, here's my main question for you. Is... Man in the High Castle going to be released on DVD or Blu-ray? I doubt it. Uh,
1: because, well, they're really kind of the main main distributor of video anyway, so they'll say, take them. Um,
0: Well, and and here's the reason I ask, (laughs) because, because, you know, Agent Carter is available on DVD and Blu-ray, both seasons. Um, it's a, it's an Amazon exclusive though. You can only get it on Amazon. Eleven twenty three or eleven twenty two sixty three is was just released on Blu Ray and DVD this week. Really? Um, and that was a Hulu exclusive. I see. Yeah.
1: I don't know. So, I I I really hope they do, because... Have they ever released anything that was an exclusive Amazon uh, Prime production? Have they ever released any of it to
0: DVD? Well, Men in the High Castle was the first homegrown, you know, exclusively produced program. So, the answer is no. Um, I would love to see them release that, you know, because, look, I, I love... Streaming video, I, I get it, but I I really want the hard product. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm all about the the tactile experience. Yeah,
1: I mean, what if I just stop taking? What if I don't renew next year when it's time for me to renew my membership of Amazon Prime? Is it so suddenly poof? It's gone. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, uh, it is,
0: and, you know, I, I I was kind of frustrated here recently. iTunes, which I've been a big fan of and a proponent of, and, of course, they carry our, our podcast, which, you know, we're, we're grateful for, but they recently um, upgraded their service with this iTunes match, which sounded like a great idea. You pay a yearly subscription, and iTunes Match, um, it basically syncs all of your purchases in the iTunes store on all of your devices, and it automatically updates with, you know, new versions or you get notifications if there's like a an album that, that got released with special tracks. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, it automatically updates every time you sign into iTunes, and the problem is... If there's an album that you've purchased and download, but it's no longer available on the iTunes store,
1: yeah.
0: it disappears from your library completely. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I suspect that even if Amazon Prime has a, you know, a download function, it, it's probably going to be a similar type of thing. Yeah,
1: yeah. It, it, you have the option of buying it uh, that way. Uh, but I'm like you. If you no longer have access to your Amazon, I mean, what are you going to download it to? Can you download it on yeah a flash drive? I doubt it. This, it yeah. I Yeah. I,
0: I don't know. Someone out there in our listening audience probably has some experience with this. Yeah. Send us an email and let us know what the answer is so we can share with our other listeners. Feedback at yep. And Yeah. Um, We'll uh, we'll answer that question yep. on our next episode. That um, would be great to know.
1: Yep. Now uh, you mentioned before you, you know yes you once Johnny what we're reading, and I think this might yes. be opportunity to talk about different books. Uh, Daisy, are you reading anything? I understood. I think once you said you've had some really great books right now that you're into. Yeah,
2: you know I used to. Um, I haven't been doing much reading lately, but I've been trying to you know uh, get on top of that because. I haven't been doing, I don't always do a lot of reading, but I do a lot of buy-in books. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm trying to get through that, um, that whole stack. And uh, I have a lot of books that are like, um, I read a lot of non-fiction. I read a lot of historical stuff. And I have a lot of them that are um, set in a diesel era. Mm-hmm. Now, the one I just finished I may have. I first saw it as a documentary on PBS, and I may have mentioned it before, but it's called uh, "The Poisoner's Handbook" by Deborah Bloom. "The Poisoner's Handbook," "The Poisoner's Handbook," murder and the birth of forensic medicine in Jazz Age New York. So, if you are into, um, if you're into, you know the, the CSI type stuff. If you're into. You know, if you're kind of a science nerd, you're into chemistry, biology, history, or you want to see how the history of, um, how forensic science basically became respected. You know, before um, before the chief medical examiner, Charles Norris, came around in 1918 in New York, basically medical examiners and coroners, those were just jobs that mayors handed out to friends who had voted for him. Nobody cared about really examining the bodies and determining a good cause of death. And uh, it was during a period of where industrialization was becoming a big thing and there were a lot more chemicals around that we were using for everything and we had no idea the effect they could have on us. And so, like, for example, one of the stories in here is a story I think a lot of people know is the story of the radium girls. you know that story? I don't know. They were mostly um, young immigrant girls who worked in a watch factory, and they were painting. They were painting the numbers on glow-in-the-dark watches. And, You know, glow-in-the-dark paint has radium in it. Right. These girls were using absolutely no protection. Oh. And they would sharpen their paintbrushes with their lips between watches. So you can imagine, after some time, these girls started falling really ill, and no one could figure out why. And it's basically, um. If you, are a, if you are a science geek, you will love this book, but it's so well written, every chapter is like a murder mystery in its own. So I really enjoyed it, and I enjoyed the uh, documentary on PBS about it. I think you can find it on Netflix if you want to give that a look before you look at the book. Yeah. Wait, what's it called again? The Poisoner's Handbook. It's by Deborah Bloom. Yes.
0: It's kind of cool.
2: Oh, it's it's really cool. It's really cool. I already have one friend I've promised to loan it to next. <laughs> Maybe I'll get around to you eventually.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: sounds fascinating.
2: And now I've got a I stack. I'm oh, sorry?
0: I, I was going to say, I love documentaries, so I might check that out on Netflix. Oh,
2: I do too. I eat them up. I eat them up. I love them. And now I've got three here that I'm trying to choose between. And uh, I may do what my friend, uh, what our good friend Tommy Hancock does, and just uh, ask somebody, ask, ask you, the listeners, to choose what I'm going to be reading next. <laughs> because I've got three good ones in front of me, and I haven't uh, figured out which one I'm going to start with. I have Tinseltown Murder, Morphine and Madness at the Dawn of Hollywood by William J. Mann. Looks to be about early scandals in the 1920s when Hollywood was just coming to be a thing. And this is when I told, I think I told you about last time we talked, The Secret History of, my girl, Wonder Woman. The Secret History of Wonder Woman by Jill Lepore. And we're going to come back yes. to Wonder Woman, in a moment, ain't we? Yes. We're going to come back to her in just a moment. And then, of course, I also have... Another book, which is based on something I've seen, or which the book came first and then the TV series came first, Boardwalk Empire.
1: Oh birth, yeah,
2: yeah, the birth, high times, and corruption of Atlantic City. I've seen some of the show. I haven't seen it all, but um, I was the book was uh, book was on sale and it was the price was right and I felt like buying it. So now I have a book to read.
0: <laughs> yeah, I picked up that book too at uh, Barnes and Noble. Oh yeah, have you they read had it. it. I yeah, haven't I read it. I bought
1: it at Barnes & Noble last time I was there. Yeah, I, I think it was like six
0: bucks. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that.
1: section. yeah, yeah that's where I so found mine
0: too. I, yeah, I picked it up. So, hey, speaking of Boardwalk Empire, Yeah. Um, just as an aside, I finally bought season five on DVD. I haven't seen mm-hmm. season five yet. Oh, and wow. You guys know i i was addicted to Boardwalk Empire. I, I, I
2: haven't seen it yet either. I haven't watched it all yet.
0: Oh, oh my gosh, uh, amazing! But I finally got it at Target. They've got the entire season five on DVD for seventeen ninety nine. Who?
1: That's another advantage of uh, Hulu. I mean, not Hulu, but uh, Amazon's. I can watch it. It's provided Amazon Prime. Wow! Really? Series. Yep.
0: Well, that's cool. So, wow. That's but again, I want the hard product. Yep. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep so Anything Tin- else, Daisy?
2: No, we got Tinseltown, The Secret History of Wonder Woman, and Boardwalk Empire. What do you guys think? What do you think I should read next?
0: You know, I've heard good things about Secret History of Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot of really, really cool stuff in there, especially... Um, not just her origin, but you know the impact, the cultural significance, and the really the backlash of you know society against hmm. a really strong woman in in you know the World War II era. Um, you know she wasn't always a beloved character. Oh, I'm And, sure. uh, and you know the misogynists came out in force. Not much changes, does it? Me, I would no.
2: Hmm.
0: Frankly, I would watch.
1: Um, not watch. I would read the, the Boardwalk Empire if was myself. That's not like the one I would pick up. I almost okay. got it at the bookstore.
2: All right, so that's one for Wonder Woman, one for Boardwalk Empire. Well, we shall see. Yes,
0: yeah, what, what I read what next, next is a question on Facebook. All right, that's I will.
2: That's a
1: great idea.
0: Yeah. Hey, speaking of great books, I, uh, today, from Half.com, I got The Mammoth Book of Dieselpunk. Finally, I've been wanting to get this, and um, oh, the yeah. price was right. I got it for 75 cents. Oh, good grief. Really? Goodness. Yeah. Gravy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love Half.com. Because I love books, and, you know, basically it's a used book website. Sometimes you get things that are, you know, in perfect condition. Sometimes they're a little beat up. Mm. This one has obviously been read um, paperback, but, you know, I've wanted it for a while, and uh, I saw it for 75 cents. You know, what the heck? And uh, it came today, and uh, I'm really super excited. It's 21 different stories, uh, 21 journeys into the new world of... Not diesel punk. It says into the world of steampunk. Oh, uh, oh Lord. you know, what? you know. People talk about cultural appropriation. I think we need to talk about punk appropriation for a minute. <laughs> you know <laughs> that nothing makes me battier than that, and and we see it more and more. Um, anything that's you know. Retro Punk is automatically shuttled into Steampunk, and, you know, Dragon Con is going on this weekend, and they have this entire alt-history track. I mean, really huge, huge alt-history track. And 98% of it is just Steampunk. They've got 2 diesel punk Dieselpunk-focused panels. And that's it. Wow. And, and, you know, I'm like, guys... Let, let's uh, let's not just throw everything that's retro lifestyle and retro punk into steampunk. Let's uh let's show some respect. Anyway, that's my soapbox.
1: <laughs> there you um
0: go. And, and and this publisher, you know, chose to go that route from a marketing standpoint. I, I get it. But uh, the cover is a hundred percent pure diesel punk and uh, looking forward to the stories. Speaking of half.com, I also got another great book today which was a, a dollar on halfcom hardcover book the last greatest magician in the world and it's about Howard Thurston Howard Thurston versus Harry Houdini and during the diesel era they had a real rivalry a battle of American magicians hmm. and the book um, details that uh, that rivalry uh, in the uh, in, in the early diesel era. And, um, can't wait to, uh, read that. Speaking of Houdini, speaking of Houdini, we, uh, we talked about him the last time we attempted this. I just also finished speaking of books on audio. Um, the secret life of Harry Houdini. Um, I've, I've got the hardback edition. John Wofford gifted that to me a couple years ago. And, um, I'd read it, but I listened to it on audio here recently and uh, just fell in love with it all over again. And it's amazing how much of a contribution Harry Houdini made to the diesel era and pop culture. What a lot of people don't realize is that the height of his work, the height of his career, was really during the uh, early or the mid-19-teens through 1926. Uh, He died, you know, October 31st, 1926. And um, he had the greatest impact during the diesel era, Uh, film star and producer, secret service agent for uh, the U.S. Secret Service and MI6, and, of course, renowned spiritualist debunker, and that's, uh, really the, the majority of his work happened in the, uh, in the 20s with the spiritualism and Conan, Arthur Doyle, and their, their public friendship and feud. And, uh, what a fascinating book because the writer, um, Larry Kalouche and, uh, and, uh, Sloan, uh, Larry Sloman, they really, uh, Bill Kalush and Larry Sloman, that's, that, that, that's the author's name. They really go into the idea that Houdini was murdered and even, you know talk about who it could have been. Uh, Madame Marjorie, the Witch of Lime Street from Boston. Maybe even even uh, Conan Doyle himself was behind his murder. Really, really fantastic book. I highly recommend it. You can get it on audio from one of our sponsors at audible.com, audibletrial.com slash dieselpoweredpodcast. If you go there, you can try it for free. Um, so check that out, audibletrial.com slash dieselpoweredpodcast. Check out The Secret Life of Harry Houdini. Very cool. And, you know, let me just add real quick to that. Um, you know, we're, I think uh, Daisy and I are both big fans of the TV show uh, Houdini and Doyle. Yeah and, yeah. and uh great show, horribly inaccurate historically. Oh, but <laughs> it's great fun. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. Uh, Houdini and Doyle were friends. Um, there is uh, another book called The Strange Friendship of... Harry Houdini and Arthur Conan Doyle, um, which does suggest that they did work together on some cases for Scotland Yard, but they did not meet until 1920. And the TV show is set in 1901. And, um, you know, historically inaccurate, but a lot of fun. And, And the characterizations are great. The interesting thing I found out... Have you seen that show yet, Larry? Nope, I haven't. Only one season. Um, they have not renewed it for a second season because the actors basically held out for more money, and they said, all right, well, too bad. And so and sad, they pretty bad. much just yeah, pulled the plug. But we got a really good first season, one season which was a lot of fun. Um, one thing that I didn't realize... I thought it was, you know, just kind of part of the uh, fiction was there's a, there's a character, and Daisy, you'll have to help me remember her name, the constable. Do you remember her name? Oh, uh, Constable Madeline? Stratton. Yeah, Constable Stratton. Um, in the show, she is the first female constable on Scotland Yard, and I thought, you know, it was just kind of a gimmick for the show, but I've also been watching on Netflix... Peaky Blinders, and turns yeah. out that Scotland Yard employed female constables uh, pretty regularly. Um, it wasn't a rare thing, as much as a rare thing as I thought it was. Um, there's uh, several female constables on that show. Um, have you seen that? You, either have you seen Peaky Blinders? No, but I've heard a lot about it. Larry? No, I haven't seen it set in 1919, right at the uh, end of World War One, and it's about these brothers uh, in England who come back from the war, and they form a, basically a street gang that uh, their mother uh, kind of is the head of. It's based on a real gang, historically accurate, a gang called the Peaky Blinders. That's the name of the gang. And... Um, it's all about their uh, kind of their reign over uh, London at uh, the start of the diesel era. Um, one of the one of the cool things about the series is it um, and, and this is historically accurate uh, the the gang was known for wearing flat caps, what we would call a newsboy cap um, and they would sew razor blades into the brims of their flat caps and use them as weapons. Sounds
2: like what the mods did in the 60s. They would sew razor blades into the lapels of their jackets.
0: Yeah. So, uh, they probably inspired by the Peaky Blinders. So, um, great show. They're on season three now. It's the Netflix uh, exclusive. Really, really fantastic. And um, I, I highly recommend it. Uh, great diesel uh, diesel period piece. Oh, okay. I wouldn't call it diesel punk, but diesel period.
1: Right. And that kind of feeds into some of the uh, movie uh, stuff that we need to talk about tonight. Yeah. Um, I guess, well, let's start with um, probably the the saddest news, which is the passing of Gene Wilder.
0: Yeah, that is sad. Um, But you know what? (sighs) He was, what, 83? He was 83. You know, it is sad because he died of complications with Alzheimer's, which is a horrible, terrible, terrible disease. But, I mean, it... It is sad, but I mean, we shouldn't be shocked. He was 83. <laughs> yeah, he had a nice long
1: life. Uh, a lot of people don't know he remarried. Uh, yeah, I didn't know
0: that until recently.
1: He's been uh, married for quite a while. She was with him all the way to the end. Uh, I understand that. Um, what was the song that they sang? I think. I think it's. I want to say it was Somewhere Over the Rainbow they sang for him. Uh, in his last moments, his family was with him, and that was his favorite song. I think that was I think. Huh. It was. Um, so yeah, um, a lot of people don't realize that he has a. I bet most people do. One of the most beloved movies that he made, the Young Frankenstein,
0: a decent punk movie. Oh yes. Yeah, and guess what? You can get that at Target for ten bucks right now on oh, Blu-ray.
2: Oh, nice. I,
0: they,
1: well, uh, my wife and I, we watched it the night we learned of his passing in memory of him. Uh, of um,
0: yeah, it is a great, great... And would you consider that, Larry, a diesel punk
1: movie? Sure. It's a irrelevant twist and tribute to the diesel era movies, the old, uh, uh, I think they were Universal at the time. Yep, uh, the, old yep Universal the Universal movies. The Universal monster movies. Of, uh, uh, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein. I mean, they reproduced the little village. They used, the, the, in fact, they actually used the uh, props from the Frankenstein laboratory in the movie. That's the actual props from the original movie.
0: Wow, I did not know that. Yes. Now, here's here's my question: mm-hmm. Is is Cloris Leachman still alive? Yes. Yeah, uh, she, she is.
1: She and Terry Gar are really the only two surviving uh, cast members.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't remember if if she was still alive or not. So, yeah, because uh, Peter Peter Boyle died, what, two years ago? Right. Um, uh, Marty Fleischman died, uh, I want to say maybe 15 years ago now? It's That's been more, a while
1: ago. Yeah, we lost Marty Feldman. Um, you know, Peter Doyle has another decent punk connection. He was in the shadow.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, he was. Uh, He was the uh, taxi driver.
1: Yep, yeah, he was his uh, assistant. Uh, So, um, yeah, uh, like you said, 83, good long life, uh, and uh, uh, sad loss. We're going to miss you, Gene.
0: Uh, Yep, absolutely.
1: uh, And, Johnny, we had... uh, we have some news about the Blade Runner sequel. Something happened on the set.
0: Yeah. So you posted this on our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, a, a part of the set collapsed and killed one of the uh, one of the builders, one of the uh, people working on set. Oh.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you know, I got to tell you, you know, we we first talked about this Blade Runner sequel. I guess about a year ago is when we first really had it confirmed that it was happening, and I was a little bit skeptical to begin with, mm-hmm. you know, because the movie was not a commercial success in the box office. No, it um, it is considered you know a, a box office flop, um, but it well, made it money 18. Well, and, and not only that, but. You know, the movie had so many edits and iterations <laughs> that that I think it, it, you know, word of mouth just kind of kills it. You know, the, the theatrical release of the movie was with the narrator that um, the studios insisted, you know, be part of that to, to help the audience. And I think that really just kind of muddled the entire vision uh, of the movie. But even so, as a movie, I, I think it has some problems connecting with audiences from a plot perspective because it is very highbrow sci-fi. Yeah, it is,
1: and and
0: and, and the audience for that, you know, I, I think it it's just a very very small elite audience, and I don't mean elite by you know. Uh, High, you know, like like better Mm -hmm. than, but you know, you know what I'm saying. It's just a certain caliber fan that's going to appeal to that, and I don't. It's not very broad. So when they announced that there was a sequel coming, I kind of, I kind of raised my eyebrows, thinking that may not be the best idea from a commercial standpoint, but also, you know, from a creative standpoint. One of the things that I do like about the original story is the ambiguous ending, mm-hmm. me too. Where, where you know, it suggests that um, Decker—that's his character's name, right? Decker. Yep, yeah, yeah, Decker. Yeah, that—that uh, that he is one of the uh, one of the uh, what do they call him? Not the replicants. Replicants. Is
1: yeah, replicant. He's a
0: replicant. yeah, yeah, replic- replicants. Yeah, that's what they suggest uh, by the by the you know with the ending with the uh, unicorn or origami unicorn, yeah. um, but but they don't come out and say it. Yet. No, um, it's just you're left having to make up your own mind, you which that. which I love.
1: Sure, and you have the dream sequence of the unicorn, and that really <coughs> ties in. If you watch the director's cut, you, there's a dream sequence <coughs> of a unicorn that he has. And then, like you just pointed out, right? Hold on, just a minute. Origami unicorn had a tickle had a cough there. Yeah, so you're Um, absolutely right, Uh, and I think it is. It's complex. Um,
0: uh, I don't even know who's acting
1: in this uh, in the sequel. Do you know anything about the actors? Oh
0: yes, I do. The
1: names, yeah.
0: Um. I, you know what? I would have to go back and look. There there are some names, um, and I can't think of them offhand. Um, but, uh, you know, th- the thing for me is I-, I love that open ending to leave it up to the viewer's imagination what mm. actually happened and, you know, how it really ends. And for me, it's kind of like the movie The Matrix. Mm. The, the Matrix was the same way, and I felt like the sequel Really ruined it for me, and a lot of people agree with me that uh, you know the sequels kind of took away that that mystique of of you filling in the rest of the story. Right. Um, another movie like that is is Sucker Punch, you know, where uh, or Inception, where at the end, and oh. they're like, okay, what's what's real, what's not? Yeah. And and if they did a sequel to to tell you. I think it would ruin it, and I kind of feel the same way about Blade Runner. Um, but more than the troubles on the set and more than my you know doubts about the commercial success potential, um, the studio producing it is a production studio uh, out of Canada, and I just happen to know the CFO of the company. Um, he's a friend of... Uh, he, he's the brother of one of my good friends, and, um, they, they're a studio that has produced some pretty big movies, um, Dolphin Tail, um, The Blind Side, uh, recently the, um, Hugh Jackman thriller, uh, Taken, not Taken, but, uh, oh, about the kidnapped children, um, that's going to drive me crazy. I can't think of it, but it, you know, it was a pretty big movie. What is
2: Taken, huh? Taken was about
1: yeah, and
0: uh, well, Take, right? Taken was with uh, Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson, yeah. The, oh, yeah, okay. no, this is, this is with Hugh Jackman, oh. and um, and uh, anyway, it'll come to me. Um, anyway, it was it was a big you know suspense thriller, but the the thing is, what they What what I've been told from the CFO is that the studio has basically invested every penny into this Blade Runner sequel, Mm -hmm. and the future of their studio and production company rests on this movie being a success. Uh Uh-oh. And I think they're... I don't think they're going (laughs) to survive this movie, and... That's scary you know, thing. and I'm not saying that it won't be a good movie. I'm just saying that I don't think the fan base for a Blade Runner sequel is big enough to support it, and I definitely don't think that the mass market is is going to be responsive enough. I could be completely wrong, but I'm usually not about these kind of things. And um, unfortunately, you know, beyond the the. <sighs> the uh, the worker being killed on set, I think this movie has a lot more problems going for it. Wow. Sorry to burst everybody's bubble.
1: Well, uh, I don't know. I'm, I was skeptical and I still am a little bit. And Your news has kind of added that skepticism. Um, let's talk a little bit more about movies. Let's, uh, we've got some positive stuff. Uh, uh, how about, uh, Diana? Uh, Daisy, what about... Oh, I understand there's a new Wonder Woman trailer?
2: Oh, I've been ready for that since yesterday. (laughs) I've been ready for a Wonder Woman movie for so long, and this looks like it's going to be... You know, I I can't... I'm not like Johnny. I can't predict how everyone's going to react to something, but it's what I want from a Wonder Woman movie. (laughs)
1: Well, I tell you what, the trailer, uh, folks. If you haven't seen the trailer yet, the new Wonder Woman trailer, Wonder Woman mm-hmm. movie, How? watch it. It, I, you know, I'm not a big DC comic book fan, and most people know that. Back when I was reading comics, it was mostly, uh, and when I do, still occasionally, it's a Marvel or maybe you know something uh, like Dark Horse, something like that. But this, wow, uh, they really go back to her diesel punk roots. Uh, or proto diesel punk roots. It really looks good.
0: Well, and I, I will say that I, I think this is destined to become a new diesel punk classic. Um, it it is set in World War Two or World War One. Now the the original origin for Wonder Woman is World War Two, um, but the the producers, DC Comics, Warner Brothers, uh, the writers and directors chose World War One instead, 1918 I think is the exact year it's set, um, so that they could avoid similarities with Captain America First Avenger.
1: That makes sense.
0: Um, yeah, so, so it's set in World War One, and introduces, uh, uh, Wonder Woman to the world, and, yeah, all we've seen so far is the trailer, um, and and it does look spectacular, and and now I'm saying that as someone who was very dubious of Gal Gadot playing Wonder Woman to begin with, um, you know they cast when they announced her casting for Batman vs Superman, I kind of question it from a physicality standpoint. I you know I didn't really know much about her as an actor. Actor. I know she was in the Fast and Furious movies, but um, I'm not, you know, a, a real car racing fan, so I've never seen those movies. But when I, when I looked at her, she, uh, she was very thin, and I just didn't feel like she had the physicality to be Wonder Woman. Now, she did undergo an extensive workout regimen to uh, add mass and muscle. For Batman versus Superman, and I was I was completely surprised. She did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Turns out she was perfect, and I'm really really excited about this movie. I, um,
1: I am too. I, well, you know, getting back to Batman v Superman, uh, the way she uh, the way they reimagined her superpowers and her. Uh, technology, the lasso, the—I mean, everything like that—was like, oh yeah. I mean, she became a powerful, formidable warrior in that movie.
0: Well, and and she always has been in the comics, and and you know that's that's the one thing that is kind of unfortunate about her as a character is that you know she's always had that strength and she's always had those powers, but most people you know when they think of wonder woman they think of the 70s tv show with linda carter yeah which which for its day was was great i have you know my fondest memories are of that series i learned how to kiss on a poster of linda carter as wonder woman hanging in my bedroom i think i just revealed my age um, <laughs> but and 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 the first the first season of the wonder woman series is set in World War Two, so it's, it's got that diesel punk aesthetic, but, you know, she was, she was strong, she was more, more of a strong personality, not so much as physically strong, because, you know, she was put in some pretty ridiculous, uh, damsel in distress kind of situations that, that she would never be in, so I think that's kind of like, you know, kind of like how when people think of Batman a lot of people still my age think of Adam West's Batman and and so it's they really needed that um, visualization of a true to source material modern interpretation of Wonder Woman in Batman versus Superman to ignite the fan base and to really get people excited because understand This is going to be the first ever superhero comic book movie with a female lead. You're right. And not everyone is rooting for its success. Oh, please. So, let's backtrack. Almost two years ago, Larry, on this very program, I went on a little mini rant about people crying racism and you'll remember my exact words were you know i feel like people you know people claim racism the way that fundamentalist christians claimed demon possession in the 80s you know they, they see racists behind every corner just like fundamentalist christians saw demons behind every bush and You know, I I said publicly that I didn't think racism in America really existed anymore. And I, I really believed that until I became active in the geek culture community forums online, specifically on Facebook. And let me just say that my eyes have been opened. Racism, sexism, and homophobia... Are alive and well in the geek culture community, and you know I got to be honest with you, Larry. I, the reason I felt like it really didn't exist anymore is because nobody in my personal circle is racist or sexist. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't. I, you know, I don't know anyone who who thinks in those ways. So you know, in my sphere of influence, racism and sexism don't exist anymore. But my eyes were opened. Holy cow! Um, And not just to racism. So first of all, I apologize to anyone that uh, you know I felt that way. You know, I apologize for my ignorance. But not only racism, but the sexism that exists in the geek culture community has been overwhelming, and it really reared its ugly head with the release of the new Ghostbusters movie. Yes, I loved the new Ghostbusters movie. I-, I thought it was a fantastic movie, an original story that hit all of the right notes and had all of the right nods to, to as an homage. Mm-hmm. But the the sexist, monog, monog, misogynist, mm-hmm. mi- monogamous I mean, is another misogy- thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The misogynist, the sexist. The, uh, the what, is, what is that website? The uh, Realm of Kings. Oh my gosh! They came out in full force to Just torpedo. That
2: name make me go. Woo-hoo. Yeah. yeah,
0: they they came out in full for, full force to torpedo Ghostbusters, um, saying that it was a uh, feminist man hating movie, and uh, they did everything to counteract all of the positive reviews and. To some degree, they succeeded. The film was not a bomb, but it was not the success that the studio hoped for, nor the success that the movie really deserved to be, because it really was a a really fun, good movie. And they're doing the same thing with Wonder Woman. Oh, please. Um, Yeah, yeah, they, they really see this Wonder Woman movie as a feminist agenda movie, and... Do not, and they're they're mounting campaigns now to make sure that they count any positive reviews to uh, you know make sure to do their best to keep people away. And I'm just I'm blown away by that. I'm just shocked.
1: Yeah, it sad. Good
2: Daisy. There are people who just don't have anything better to do and try to drag something down. I said come on. Oh, I agree. You're absolutely right. I agree.
1: In Time Magazine recently had a whole article about trolls and uh, the negative effect on everything, not just the internet, but the negative effect like well, you just gave an example about how trolls in essence damaged that movie and uh uh, really, really was horribly cruel uh, to the to Leslie character. Jones. Yeah. Oh yeah, and so the effects go far beyond you know spoiling the internet. Um. So yeah. Wow. Good points, Johnny. Um. Is it yeah. Movies. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. No. I. But you know, at the end of the day, I. I'm, I'm all on board um, with this movie now I, I'm gonna tell you in all honesty while I loved her performance in Batman vs. Superman um, as a character she really served no purpose to the plot. Um, her appearance in the movie was strictly to establish her and to build you know fan excitement over her own solo movie which is unfortunate because, um, you know, you know, she she could have had a more. I don't want to say substantial role, but she could have served more of a purpose than just you know being visual eye candy. Yeah, that, but um, yeah,
1: that movie had a lot of missed opportunities.
0: It had so many problems. Yeah, and 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 Suicide Squad was the same way, um, and and so I hope. That under the direction of Jeff Johns, who was just named as uh, the president of DC Entertainment, um, specifically to come in and course correct their cinematic universe, um, mm-hmm. I, I have I have higher hopes for Wonder Woman. I, I think um, one, it looks right, it feels right, the visual aesthetics, you know, it is pure diesel punk and everything. That we as diesel punks love. So, here's to Wonder Woman. Yep. 2017, baby. Wow. Uh,
1: there's some other movies we want to hit. Um, I think we need to hit before we uh, end this podcast. Uh, uh, several different ones. Uh, Florence Foster Jenkins uh, with uh, Mel Streep and Hugh Grant uh, hit this month at the theater I smell Oscars.
0: Now, I don't know a whole lot about this movie other than uh, I knew Meryl Streep was in it. What What is uh, what is this movie about?
1: It is a uh, comedy. Uh, I won't call it a romantic comedy. It's about a historical figure, Florence Foster Jenkins, who uh, dreamed to be an opera singer, <laughs> but she can't sing. But... Uh, She's a New York heiress, and it's set during the 40s, and it was, let's put it this way, it, not only was it that it brought Hugh Grant, it, he was about to retire. He was about to announce his retirement from acting. Of course, this was his big chance to, you know, with Mill Street, and he said, okay, I'll make at least one big go of this, and he made this movie, but they say it's <laughs> extremely...
2: Uh, funny. Yeah, it looks like it looks like something I'm just gonna have to see because I love I love strange historical figures like that, and I just I like her story, and I'd like to see it up on the screen because it looks it looks like it's gonna be a great movie.
0: Well, you know, Daisy, if you like offbeat historical figures like that, uh-huh. check out another movie called um, Mrs. Henderson Presents. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it uh, Bob Hoskins stars in it, and it's uh, and um, is it Judy Dench? I think main Judy Dench plays Mrs. Henderson. She's a. Uh, it's uh, during World War Two, and she opens a theater with her her inheritance money as a rich widow. Opens a theater in London and presents the first ever all-nude girls on stage. It's, oh, okay. It's all a true story, very funny, um, kind of scandalous, but it's a, it's, a, it's a good movie if you're into that quirky historical figure kind of stuff.
1: Sounds like fun.
0: It is. Oh, and you'd love it, Larry, because, you know, you're a dirty old man. That's right. Uh-huh.
1: Yes, indeed. Uh... S- Oh, let's talk about some other movies before we go. Uh, Brad Pitt is out, gonna be coming out, uh, in November with a new movie, Allied. Um, it's about a it's set in 1942, and he's an intelligence officer in North Africa. And, uh, it, uh, he meets a French resistance fighter, uh, then they, uh, Reunite in London, and the French resistance fighter is uh, someone that we know well, Marion Cutlord, I think Cutlord is her name. Uh, she uh, she was in uh, the Dark Knight, she was in an except in an exception. So it looks good. Almost, I'm a fan of anything Brad Pitt puts out. And I almost didn't recognize Brad Pitt in the trailers. Uh, he looks very different in this movie. Um, so that's coming out November 23rd is his release date. They describe it as action, drama, and romance.
0: Hmm. I, uh, I hadn't seen anything on that one either, so that's, uh, it's interesting. November's gonna be, um, November and December is going to be a fun time for movies, Larry. Mm-hmm. Doctor Strange is coming out.
1: Oh, I can't wait!
0: Rogue One, a Star Wars story.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, this movie, Allied, uh, sounds like some good, fun stuff.
1: And coming out in just a few weeks, we have another World War II set movie, Anthropoid. Uh,
0: I've not heard of that one either. That
1: one's going to be. It's based on a true story. That's a new one about a uh, an attempt to uh, assassinate SS General Reinhard Heydrich, the uh, main architect of the Final Solution. Uh, the, one of the uh, the lead actor we would all recognize, Cillian Murphy. And if I remember Cillian Murphy from his fantastic role as Scarecrow. In The Dark Knight. Yeah.
0: Yes. Well, Cillian Murphy plays the lead character in Peaky Blinders.
1: Mm. Oh, really? Yes. So, and of course, he was Inception as the uh, wealthy heir that yep. he bra- went to mind of. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, that promises to be an exciting movie, and that comes out in just a few weeks. Uh, outstanding the UK release will be September 9th I don't know when it's going to be released usually it's just a short time late. later it should be here in the US
0: so Larry one, one thing I want to bring up a movie that's coming out uh, in 2017 and I posted the trailer on our Facebook page coming out of Russia is a movie called Iron Danger Dude, and I like that already it Basically, Daisy, it looks like a diesel-punk Voltron. Oh, man. Yeah, it's, it's it's a Russian diesel-punk movie. Um, and they're not lions, they're bears. Um, and it looks like um, at least one of the characters has the uh, hammer or the, the, the axe of the russian thunder god perun who was the russian equivalent of thor and iron danger all that's available right now is the trailer but it's coming out in 2017 um looks very I, i i can't wait to see it
1: fantastic that sounds like fun well folks wow what an episode yeah, a lot, a lot of shaking going on. Anything else? Anything that we've overlooked, folks? Oh, goodness. I haven't gone. Sorry.
0: Do you have more?
2: You. Uh, but no, no, no. I just realized my mic wasn't off, so you probably heard all that ticking and typing. Sorry about
0: that. Oh, I thought that was Larry. No, that wasn't me. Um, yeah, hey, I got one last thing. Um, on comic book shelves this week, DC Comics Bombshells Annual... Number one, uh, the DC Bombshells, it's a series that reimagines, you know, the classic DC superheroines, Wonder okay. Woman, Supergirl, as, you know, uh, Black Canary, as, uh, pinup style characters. Um, and, and the series has them being recruited during World War II by Amanda Waller to be a, an exclusive elite strike first. Well, this, this annual, is a Batgirl solo story that is everything we love about dieselpunk. Um biplanes in World War One, uh, Vampires, uh, female sky captains, it's it's unbelievably cool. It's on shelves right now. Uh, DC Bombshell's annual Number one. Highly recommend it.
1: Wow, okay. Sounds very cool.
0: And that's all I got, brother.
1: All right. Wow. Okay, Daisy, you got anything else uh, to add before we wrap this up? Oh, let's see.
2: Let's see. Oh, well, it's been about a year since our... uh... Since that uh, first uh, solo effort I went under where I interviewed David Bennett from Steam Power Giraffe just before they were going to put out a new album, and they've got a new album coming out this week, so that kind of had a nice full circle feel to it. (laughs) All right. Uh, The album's called Quintessential, and it sounds like they might be, their last album was kind of a sci-fi rock opera kind of thing, but it sounds like they might be going a little bit back towards some of the folkier stuff that they were doing so uh i'm definitely i have i have it pre-ordered i'm ready
0: all right well call him up get him back on the show there you
1: go Mm -hmm. free publicity absolutely Absolutely. fantastic very cool well folks i think uh i think it's about time to call it a night
0: Absolutely. Sign us off, my brother.
1: Okay. Well, uh, everyone, again, it's great to be back. And uh, during these hot summer uh, months, I know we only got a little time left of summer, but it's going to be hot still. And uh, there's people suffering in Louisiana, um, comes to mind. So, you know, check on your neighbor, bring the dogs in from the heat, uh, take care of each other, because that's what life is all about.
0: Absolutely, Daisy O'Dare.
2: Well, I just want to say it has been great to be back with you two fellas and back on the air with all you sheiks and shebas listening in, and I hope we get to do this more often.
0: That is the plan. Yes, and indeed. you, our listeners, can help us out with that mission. Uh, if you uh, like the show, tell two or three hundred of your closest friends and family. Give us a good review on iTunes and Stitcher. Give us a five-star review. That helps expose the show to more people as we increase in our rankings. And uh, feel free to drop us a line either on Facebook uh, at uh, facebook.com slash dieselpoweredpodcast or on Twitter at dieselpodcast or via email, feedback at dieselpoweredpodcast.com. Let us know what you think of the show. Um, let us know uh, what you're into, uh, what you're reading, what you're listening to, what you're looking forward to, and uh, share any uh, details that you think we might have missed because we can't be everywhere and know everything. And um, I'll just say as a final parting, As always, swing hard, swing often. We'll catch you on the flip side.